Hey, this is Keith Jones, the president of Hockey Operations of the Flyers. Hi, I'm Paul Holmgren. Hey, I'm Travis Konechny. Hi, this is Travis Sanheim. Hi, I'm Joel Farabee. Hey, I'm Scott Lawton. This is Dan Helfer. Hi, this is Bob Clark. And you're listening to Snow the Goalie. 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 Good morning. Good morning, This is the final, the final morning after of 2023. And it's a day that we have to, um, we start with a somber tone this morning. As many of you know, Anthony Sanfilippo went under the knife earlier this week, uh, or a laser. Apparently it's a laser these days. And he had a surgery and uh, he made it. He didn't die. He's, he's alive. So he, he is alive, uh, which will come as good news to everyone in the Delaware Valley. He is fine. He is alive. I talked to him last night briefly. Uh, he gave us the indication that he might be coming on the show this morning. And about 10 minutes ago, when I texted you guys, he said, I don't think I'm going to make it, boys. And you know what? In honor of Anthony, we've got the backwards caps on today. In case he doesn't make it, we want to at least have a tribute for him. <laughs> it so was everyone, Pour one out. Pour out a little bit of your coffee onto your keyboard like I'm about to. Pour out a little bit of your morning water, your bubbly water. Here's to Anthony. We'll, we'll see him again next year, Bundy. Huh? Huh? See him next year. See you next year, Ant. May God rest his soul on this beautiful, beautiful <laughs> Saturday morning. All right. All right. We got laughing already. There we go. Look at this. There we go. He's going to be wrapped in a, in a white blanket meatball hoagie. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Fire so uh, we didn't do a morning after after the Canucks game. And those of you who pay very close attention, I think, heard the other day Bundy explicitly say we're not going to do a morning after both games. We're going to do it after the second game is over. But we did get a bunch of tweets yesterday and some messages on Facebook saying, where the hell are you guys? They 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 beat the Canucks. Where's the game? I need my fix. Now, listen, we appreciate the fact that so many of you care so deeply and want to hear from us immediately after the game. But we did decide the two West Coast games, we were going to just try to recap both games together. And the, the title of this episode is Three Points to Close Out 2023. And from a macro perspective, Bundy, I think, um, you know, when we looked at the, the schedule initially going into the season... And we looked at how this was going to close out. You know, they're on the Disney, the Disney on Ice uh, tour where they go out west. I think that if we had said back in the offseason or even in the preseason, hey, they're going to go out and they're going to get three out of four potential points to close out the year against Vancouver and Seattle, uh, we would have all taken that. We might have been surprised, but we would have taken it. Um, how do you feel now after a win against Vancouver, an overtime loss against Seattle, uh, the way that this year wrapped up three out of four points? Is this something that gives the team momentum going into 2024? Like, where do you land? I absolutely think so. I mean, those were two really big, important games. Certainly Vancouver, you know, when you come out of the break and you, you know, you head out west, you, it's, it's kind of – I did say, though, it would be the easier of the play if you're going to go make that trip, do it right after when everything's kind of wild and crazy at home. And it's wild and crazy for people in Vancouver and Seattle. It's post-Christmas it's post -Christmas hockey. And – um I always felt it was a little bit more distracting. So kudos to the Flyers. They did exactly what you're supposed to do. They got the first win 
in Vancouver the first night of, of the trip, which is a great win. Uh, outstanding mm-hmm. goaltending, by the way, both nights. And then last night, um, just a painfully boring game at times until mm-hmm. Seattle scored in the third period. When it was 1-1, it got really going. Uh, but man, there was a, you know, when I say boring too, it doesn't necessarily mean like it's awful hockey. It just means there wasn't a lot of space out there. Uh, the Flyers really, really close teams off pretty quick when they get it. And that's how they, that's how they've had success watching them last night. They just battle so hard defensively uh, now in the neutral zone in their own zone. But um, it was really, really a good two games and it was a good, great three points out of it. Um I just think that that's kind of the way the Flyers have been this year. You know, getting a, when they get a jump on teams, which they've done, they've had success. Uh, when it's gone the other way, most of the time it's not gone their way. So I think that this was a great start, and they're going to have to get into, uh, you know, Calgary and Edmonton now, uh, the, the Western last two games in the Western Canada trip, and, and try to find a way to dig in again. Again, there's a lot of good teams on this trip, so it, it's, it's a lot of good competition, and, you know, as I've known from this, this, this schedule and, and Torts had said, too, that, that, you know, it gets hard. Second half of the year gets a lot harder. So they, they were prepared for it, and uh, it was a great start to the trip. I want to know from people out there, if you're watching on YouTube and on Facebook and on Twitter, slash X, Twixter, as Anthony likes to call it, be honest. Did you stay up for both games? Did you? Or did you only stay up for the Vancouver game? Did you only stay up for the Seattle game? Did you catch parts of both? Let us know how much of these games you actually saw. Um, I saw Tim here, Tim Tobin on YouTube saying, I'm giving myself full marks for staying awake for the whole game. It was a grind and boring hockey mostly. Wasn't it? it was, Bunny, it was last year, right, when they played Calgary in Calgary, I think. That was like a, a barn burner. It wasn't like a 6-5 game or something like that. It was I, don't something, something I don't remember. I don't remember that. Yeah, th- it might have been Calgary. I think there was a high-scored game last year. Was it Edmonton last year? It was a wild one to it. The Flyers won there last year, but maybe. I mean, it's that. I don't know. Like I said, like I watched that game last night, and, and I think I call myself a pretty good judge of what kind of a game it is. I just thought that even the Vancouver game um, was not like super exciting. Like for a viewership game, it wasn't the greatest game ever, but. You know, there are three out of four points in the bank. Last night's game was painful. I'm not going to lie. It was the it second was. game in a back-to-back. Seattle, I, um, they've been winning lately. They found another way to win last night. Uh, I heard a comment here at the beginning, a little bit of the post-game comments that uh, Hackstall thought they won the Super Bowl last night. Like, <laughs> um, he, Yeah, I mean. He was over right. the moon. He, he, was, he, was, he was over the moon. He was so happy. He's yeah, handing I mean, out high fives out. to any any hand he could find. He was slapping. It looked like Scotty Bowman before he won seven Stanley Cup. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, here's a anyway. here's hey here's here's a little bit of positivity here from Hunter Mikos. A talking point: Vancouver versus the Flyers was a battle of Jack Adams finalists and Torts won. So let's close out 2023 with this. You said on. The Snow the Goalie episode that we did, for those who might have missed it, we did the uh, the biggest stories of 2023. Um, I believe it was on that show. And I think it was on the morning after before that, um, that although historically you haven't always liked the way the Torts has handled certain players, you were giving him full marks. You were giving him a ton of credit for how he's coached the first third, what is it? It's like close to third, right? Of the season. 
the, the um, results are undeniable, you know, whether yeah. or not how he got there. I mean, but no, I mean, you have to look at what, I mean, this team, this team has far exceeded anything I've seen in a long time, unless the whole league is just not that good. So, is, I mean, that's what? something else to consider, you know, I mean, I don't want to say Possible. that, but I mean, that's, that's exactly what I thought, you know, I mean, it's. They did have a lot of games good, where they were playing backup goalies, right? But every team was playing against the Flyers or backup goalie for about four or five years now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so, listen, I mean, he's made them the, the best part about the Flyers now is Torts made them, made them a team that when they go in uh, and play any game, there's a chance of winning every single night. It's not like you can go out and now, again, whether or not they can get can do that in, in four games out of seven will remain to be seen. And it looks like if they keep playing the way they are, we're going to get a chance to at least experience that again. Um, there has you, you, you can't look at this team and the roster coming in and who is who um, mm-hmm. and not say that the coaches had an impact. It's impossible. Yeah. There's no doubt about it because he's gotten guys to play out of their shoes there's some guys we didn't even know who they were. Maybe that's another part. Maybe we didn't know some of these guys, like Sean Walker. Maybe guys have improved, you know, like Cam York's gotten better. Um, guys are slotted better. You know, there's there's guys that have stepped up. That I still can't imagine what this team would look like without Sean Couturier. Um, but yeah. I also think that, that, you know, he's just been – he's been magic. I mean, he's the MVP – He's the Selkie Trophy winner. He's their, been their leader, uh, apparent leader, pretty much every single night. Um, but yeah, I, I, you know, I always, I always say I mean, this has been fun to watch. But what I will say with this team is, every single night they play, there's an opportunity for them to win the game and at least have you as fans and us as uh, media prognosticators Pundits. following them. Yeah, that that we actually believe it as well, and and that there's no way. Um, that the, the coach didn't have an impact of of the largest degree. There's no yep. doubt about it. And the goaltending. The goaltending's been really good. Really, really good. Yep. The goaltending has... Ar- I, I don't know. I think you make the argument it's been... It's been even better than that. It's been sensational. It's been arguably the best kind of goaltending we've maybe ever seen from a duo of goalies. Yeah. Like we've had this... I feel like we've relitigated this a bunch. We'll probably keep doing it as long as they continue to perform the way that they have. But like when you look at the way that Hart and Urson have played this year, um, they feel like they legitimately have two number one goalies. And we tried to rack our brains on this one a few press row shows ago. Um, I think we even, I think you even brought in fridge on the conversation at one point post game, but like there isn't a tandem of goalies that this team has had in the last, like let's say two decades. Let's just keep it safe, right? Play it safe. In the last 20 years, they've never had the feeling of having two number ones. And through the first part of this season, we're almost halfway through. You're seven games short of, or six games short of the the midway point of the season. They have two guys that are playing at number one goalie level. Um, I did see, and, and it's fair to, to bring this up, and I think it's something that we probably have to, because when we looked at things the other day, we were looking at a lot of positives, but then we also have to look at a few things that are maybe cause for concern. So Torts pregame, I believe it was, uh, talked about Bobby Brink and said that he needs to learn how to check and that he really loves the kid, but like there are definitely some holes in his game. Uh, and he's he's giving Brink a lot of opportunities here to kind of play through it, 
you know, we talked a million times early in the season about how he really didn't seem to have the patience, I guess, for a Morgan Frost. But, like, he's letting Bobby Brink kind of find his game at this level. That's a young guy. One of the guys who was sensational to start the year and honestly surprised, I think, all three of us with how effective he was, was Cam Atkinson, who has also since kind of fallen way back down to earth. And there are questions here. So C-Mac, you know, notes, I don't know how the Flyers are going to keep playing Atkinson and Brink. And then I saw another one in here uh, about Atkinson somewhere, and it, it was a question about um, how long are the Flyers going to, is it going to take for Atkinson to find his game? Now, you've, you've had injuries in your career, and you've noted about back injuries specifically and about how hard they are to play through. Uh, Atkinson is a little bit different, uh, but when, when you miss a full year, you know, I, I think maybe it's safe to assume that if you don't look incredibly rusty from the get-go, that like you're fresh, you're healthy, he, he played well, and then he plateaued. And it looks like he just, I don't want to say he lost his game, but he doesn't look like the same kind of confident guy and the same kind of confident scorer. Do you think that this is just a, a matter of his body kind of getting back into the swing of things uh, of the grind of an NHL season after missing a year, or is it something else? It might be a might be a decline as well. I mean, it, it could be. I mean, I, there's times I thought he was much better beginning of the year um, than he's been lately. Um, you know, again, and, and a lot of these guys, when you just kind of scour back to when there was mayhem uh, in this locker room, um, or not the locker room, there's not been mayhem, and just in terms of the team and where they are. But this isn't a shot at anybody, but someone actually just put the name down. But this team has really leveled out and find, found its game since Noah Cates went out in the lineup. Yeah. But whatever you want to say, I don't has nothing to do with Noah Cates, but this team has absolutely found a stability in this lineup, whether or not it works every night. Maybe it's Coots holding it all together. I don't know. Maybe it's yeah. the goaltenders uh, masking some deficiencies. But I'll tell you what, I didn't see a lot last night. I saw a good checking team that actually looked like they knew what the fuck they were doing. And it wasn't like they were chasing the puck around the zone. It was really, really well played last night by the team. Fourteen minutes and twenty seconds in, the first Bundy bomb. By the way, uh, I I don't remember if I texted you about this, uh, you and Aunt, but there were some people a couple episodes ago who were very upset with the uh, amount of profanity in the show. And yeah. the best part, Bundy, was one person said. Uh, guys, the F-bombs don't, they don't help the show. They don't enhance the show. Let's clean uh, it up a little show, bit. Great, yeah, yeah. And then the next comment down was, great fucking show, boys. Keep it up. That's <laughs> <laughs> like, there you go. The dichotomy of the Snow the Goalie listener. Um, there are a few the whole other things. things started off as a joke, right? Because I said, I don't know if kids are watching it. I said, oh, yeah. I said it last. But you know what? I'm going to be locker room Bundy some days, and that's just the way it is. And, uh. It's okay. Uh, believe me, I, that, I think it's okay. That's what that's what a locker room is like. So you want a slice of the room, you're getting it. When those that's F exactly bombs right. start flying, that's the way it goes. Uh, hey, by the way, you said about kids listening, and one of the funniest comments that's come up at any point this season is when Allison was sitting in her car, and she said that her five and seven year old got out of the car to go into school, and they were bummed they missed out on the Bundy bomb. And now I see Allison comments. Everyone say happy birthday to Susan Lowe, seventy five today. Happy birthday, Susan. Happy birthday, Susan. That's a, that's that's a big a milestone. Birthday. Yeah, it sure is. That's awesome. Good stuff. Um, 
there are questions in the, uh, especially on YouTube here, Bundy, about um, whether or not the Flyers are going to be buyers and sellers at the uh, the the trade deadline. Magic Conch thirty or thirteen asks that question, and and that's come up a few times. Um, no, they are not going to be buyers. We asked Danny Briere flat out a few weeks back on the Press Row Show, which I'd encourage people to go back and watch or listen to. We asked Keith Jones about a week ago on the Press Row Show pregame. Both guys, very resolute and very affirmatively or very declaratively said, we are not buyers at the deadline. Now, we have all talked, the three of us, including Ant, who is not here as he nurses his wounds. We've all talked about what happens when you get to the trade deadline and if you look like you're going to be a top four team in the conference, do they then look to make some kind of acquisition? And there was somebody who threw out the idea a few uh, episodes ago about, do you trade away the Florida first round pick? Um, but there's like a bunch of provisions on that, that it could end up becoming a 2025 first rounder. And my contention at the time was, well, if, if, you ha- if you're able to clear the cap space and you can go out and get a stud like a legitimate stud who also fits your timeline. Well, then I guess you kind of have to think about it. But you don't just trade a first-round pick to have a rental, and you don't do it for somebody who's not going to make a meaningful difference. I don't get the feeling that, that Danny Briere and, and Jonesy have moved off of their stance at all. I don't think that there's a scenario where they end up buying at the deadline because all of this is essentially like playing with house money. I don't, I don't think anybody's convinced themselves that this team is a cup contender. You don't have the previous regime in here trying to tell you that it was a much better team than the record indicates. I can't, like, I don't know. Do you feel differently? Like, I, I well, don't see them wavering from their plan. So here's here's what you probably is going to happen. Um, they, <coughs> excuse me, they should Bless not, you. They should not go out and uh, do something stupid because they built the chemistry in this room. So what will happen here is they're probably going to end up getting um, Cutter Gauthier mm-hmm. after his season. That will add a player into the mix that's going to be here for a while into the future, yep. uh, if that's what happens. Um, that will be like a player acquisition in and of itself. And then you get a young guy that nobody really knows that you can go out and kind of play at the end of the year. So you're adding to your, you know, your core group without really kind of skinning the cat of the chemistry that you've built already this year. You can't, people can't deny what's going on. You could take this same team, exact same team, restart the season next year, and they'd be in 13th in the conference. I'm I'm just I'm being dead honest. Ask the New Jersey Devils. Yeah. Go ask other teams that have had, you know, tremendous, like, you know, that had a, a great regular season one year and the next year it just disappeared because that same chemistry wasn't there. That's why you have to find ways to continually make your team better and improve it. Improve it. And that's not a shot at this team. They have found a chemistry that is um, that is is in the moment. And it yep. doesn't mean it comes back every year because the deficiency is the skill on the lineup. They're winning right now by working their balls off every night. That's the truth. They're working their nuts off. They're taking space away on the ice. They're proving to people what Briere said at the beginning of the year. You know, you can take, you can make teams. Like I talked to Craig Berube two weeks ago after he got fired. You you can take groups of players like this and turn it into something for a period of time. 
have finding a way for them to believe in themselves and to come together and fuck you. It's us against them. Nobody likes us. You know, everyone thinks we aren't going to win. Snow the goalie doesn't like us. Uh, the media doesn't like us. Who? Are, that's fine. Yep. And that's what they're supposed to do is be professional and go out and compete. We never said that. We just, I just look at real aspirations of what this team is and what it could be. And this is not it. <laughs> this is not, this is not it. Now, if this team goes out and wins the Stanley Cup this year, then we have a talent issue in the NHL. We just do. Yep. Um, it's a major problem. But that being said, I'd have a great parade, nonetheless. It would be a hell of a lot of fun. It would be like the Miracle on Ice in 1980 all over again in 2023. Um, but again, I, I, I just think right now this Flyers team needs to stand pat, evaluate very, very closely what you think you want to keep. Is somebody worth going with You know, uh, an extension down the road? Who do we want to target for, for the summer? But by no means do I make any kind of trade that changes the trajectory and the chemistry of this team this year. I don't care about next year because this year you've actually found something. And I promise you, if you took the same team, it just would not be the same the following year. That's just the way it goes. Can we just play a fun hypothetical here for a second, Bundy? Sure. After all of the years that we have followed this team, that you played for this team, that you covered this team, and all the different regimes who talked about how the team was going to win and compete for a cup and all that, and like some years they did and some years they didn't. Can you imagine if the one time that this team outwardly said, we're in a rebuild, we're trying to build this the right way, can you imagine if this team makes a deep cup run? Like, just in theory, they don't make a move at the deadline. They don't make a big move. Like maybe they end up saying, you know what? We think we're going to be a bubble playoff team. And they trade Sean Walker for a first because how could you not, right? Like they they get blown away with an offer. And they say, you know what? We probably made a mistake by not taking a first for Scott Lawton in the offseason. We're, we're doing a rebuild here. So they don't make a huge move. And yet the team wins a round or the team somehow makes it to the Eastern Conference Finals. I'm just, I'm throwing out fun hypotheticals here. Can you imagine just how how weird and how fun that would be? Because not only would it re-energize this fan base, right, which I think is already becoming re-energized, but then you you do it and you say, look at what we can build here if everyone buys in. And that that idea that we we talked about with Jonesy before the season about how you need to become a place that players want to go again in free agency. If you're able to put together a winning culture team that actually can win a playoff round, or maybe win two, um, play the full underdog story. Whatever you, whatever gets you going in the morning. Yeah. And then and you get playoff hockey going in Philadelphia again. Isn't that the best thing going forward? Like, isn't that better than ending up with, like, the 14th pick in the draft? I hate the fact that I'm, like, moving off of my, like, tear it all down stance. But, like, if you're offering me the 14th pick in a draft that, like, the scouts are all kind of saying is two or three players and then a bunch of, got, a bunch of just dudes. Or rebuilding the thing, getting playoff hockey back, and being able to show that to potential free agents and flip the script on this thing, maybe a little bit earlier than you thought you could. Like, isn't that ultimately better? I'm not saying that you're going to go and, like, swap out nine players in the offseason, that you're going to try to go out and get the best free agents over the next two years. But, like, I don't know, maybe building towards something is the right way to go. And, like, maybe it ultimately does change the fortune of the franchise. And then, by the way, in two years, 
when Matvey Mishkov comes over and you're hoping that Cutter Gauthier has been playing at the NHL level for two years, I don't know. Like maybe you have the right mix of young guys that have gotten the experience and a good mix of veteran players and a good mix of guys that you've been able to bring in through free agency. I don't know. I'm just saying a lot, Bundy. Like there's a part of me that's getting carried away. But like I do feel like it's okay to to start to think about what does this look like once they're done having this level of talent that's overachieving and they actually yeah, do well, kind of turn this into a legitimate, hopefully cup contending roster. Yeah, and that the and you can't like they can't be you look at the top after this year and I've because I've seen it before. And I think I hope they recognize it, but yeah, there's no guarantee this team make a playoff this year. There's no guarantee this same collection makes it next year. Or the year after. We want to avoid the highs and lows, which we've gone through, quite frankly, mostly under the Drew area in Philadelphia. There was a lot, a lot of up and downs. And we want to find a more stabilized unit that's more about the unit, not about the individuals at the top. Mm -hmm. They've done that this year. And that's why plugging other guys in with that high skill level is only going to add to what this team is. Yeah. Um. Let me see. There was something else here that I wanted to get to really quickly. Um, so people were asking what I meant before when I said stud. When I said, like, the only way that I would consider moving a legitimate asset is for a stud. I don't have a name for you. I don't. A stud, when I say a stud, I mean somebody who's a franchise-altering kind of player. But those guys are so rarely available, and, a certain, and certainly not at the deadline. Um I'm talking about a guy who can go and and lead your team in goals in the playoffs. I'm talking about a guy who could legitimately be a number one defenseman. So again, like I don't see this happening. I don't see there being a scenario where they go out and they get that kind of guy, especially at the trade deadline. Um, And I also, you know, unless the guy's under contract for five or six years and fits your timeline, I also don't think it's a good idea, right? Like, again, I don't want them to rent a good player and trade away a valuable asset. Now, if you're able to go out and get a guy um, who can play top six minutes for you that can contribute in a meaningful way in the playoffs and is a rental and it only costs you like a mid to late round pick. And if you're looking like you're going to be a top four team in the conference, I, I could get behind that. But I'm not trading away a first. I'm not trading away that Florida first, even though it's got a bunch of provisions. Like, I'm not doing that. You know? <laughs> this, like, what? I mean... This is just like this. Has gonna, this ship I, not, I, has I this ship not sailed? Can you read like, that just, for the people who are going to listen in the podcast feed? Giroux needs to jump ship in Ottawa and come back home to a team-friendly deal. Let's win the cup, baby. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll tell you what. If if your if your name on Twitter is true, and it's in Danny Briere, we trust. I got news for you. Danny Briere ain't bringing back Claude Giroux. Not into this team. This organization's not bringing back Claude Giroux. They're not doing it. They had, there was names floating around like last week. Someone started a rumor and I was afraid to even run it by anyone in management because it was so embarrassing, Mm -hmm. but I did. (laughs) (laughs) And I got kind of the answer that I've given to people. Yep. I don't really need an opinion from anybody. I knew that, but I just had to confirm that. I had to confirm that. Yeah, that was uh, that was when we did the clip, the the clip on shorts and reels of you with uh, yeah. Giroux and, and Gaudreau. There's just no way. No, ch- no, there's ch- like no chance. There's no chance. <laughs> Zero. 
Zero, no chance. none. And, and by the way, that's also not the kind of player I'm talking about because that's not a guy who can lead your team in goals, and that's not a guy who I think is a difference maker in the playoffs. I just don't. Or he will lead your team in points and... And your, your team, team won't, won't win. Playoffs, right. No, yeah. that's, yeah. Uh, let's see. There are a few other things that I see here. Uh, Ogie says, Briere is open for business. He's um, been open for business, but it's not. It's hard to do business during the year. Yeah. Because it's uh, a contract matching stuff and all that. Andrew Fawcett with a good question here. The big question is, who's the coach when they finally have the ability to contend? There, there was another... Somebody wrote a thing. I don't remember what outlet it was. Somebody wrote a thing the other day about um, they're like listing off potential coaches if Torts were to move into a management role or an advisory role. It's Craig Ruby and that's it. That's it. There's no one else. That would be the guy they'd target if they can get it. They let him go the first time, which was idiotic. That was no one that's here now. That If there's a change to the coaching and they decide they want to – I don't know if Torts would stay here, but, I mean, he's right now he's on – pace to be perhaps coach of the year so yeah. i'm not really moving him anywhere if i'm if anyone but the guy they would want here is baruby that would be the guy if i were briere uh, i didn't i didn't pick torts i know he's done a good job with this team i probably have to give him at least another year after this because he's done an unbelievable job but if i could find a way to get craig baruby as my head coach that would probably be the guy i would target if it's not torts it's interesting. The idea of going back to Barubi is certainly an interesting one. I do wonder, Toronto, to me, I could be wrong, but like Toronto is always a team that looks like they need a coach and they need somebody to push them over the top. And they always have the talent, or at least they have the, t- the tippy-top talent. And they do have deficiencies. They have plenty of them. And maybe the Flyers will ultimately be the team that's going to help them fix some of those holes. But I don't know, like if, if a job like that were to become available and you're Craig Berube and you bring a Stanley Cup winning resume, I don't know. I, f- I almost feel like you have to consider it if you're him. I can't fathom a situation where Craig Berube sits out, I don't know, two years from the league to wait and see if this this job opens up. Yeah, I'm not saying that it will, but I just I just don't I, I can't imagine that that's a thing. You can't. So first of all, this year you can't ask about Chief because he's with another organization technically. So Jonesy can't even comment on that. Um, we well, could. I, he could. He could now. It, I think. I don't know. He, I'm not sure what the what the deal was. If he did, it, I think as long as Bruby's under contract, though, right? Still with St. Louis. No, I I think they can because he he can get picked up by any team now. He can. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I, they I have. Think, um, I think he. I think he's he not going to go comment on a guy with a coach here, though. Like he's not going to say anything with Torts yeah. here, Ross. It's not going to happen. So, yeah. I listen, Barubi lives up in Bucks County. He's well implanted in this area. It makes complete sense, mm-hmm. total sense. He's a coach that guys actually love. Like, he's one of those coaches that the players love him like player, but he's also they also sep- separate between what the coach is and what <clears throat> your friend is. There's a difference in that. Um, you know, he's not like a dick all day long, the people. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's, you know, when he gets the most out of them, right? Like when I look at Tor- uh, yeah, Chief and I see like a guy like how many teams rally around a guy lifting the Stanley Cup up as a coach on the ice and everybody's sitting there as he's one of the guys, you know, that's a special type of person to be yeah. able to do that. And, you know, you rarely see that. Yep. And, and you uh, know, Jonesy played, Jonesy played with Chief. You know, Danny loved Chief as his coach. Chiefs should never have been fired. Like they should never have got brought Hackstall in ever in favor of Craig Berube here. In the hindsight of this organization, it was one of the dumbest fucking things I've ever seen. That's like having a GM come in 
and just fire somebody because you needed to fire them. Oh, it's mm-hmm. my my show now. I'm going to get rid of a great coach. And so what did Chief do? He went and shoved it right up Hextall's ass by going to win a cup somewhere else. And that's what mm-hmm. it's all about. It's about proving people wrong. That, that was a bad move. The Flyers getting rid of him. Really, really bad move. Yeah. Here you but go. Joe K-, Joe, Joe K says, I don't even like the idea of talking about next coaches when the current coach is performing one of the best coaching jobs in team history. That's probably fair. I mean, it was a question that was presented to us. Like, we haven't just opted to to get down this rabbit hole. It is interesting, though. Like, between Baruby being available and the chance that at some point Brindamore might be moved on from in Carolina, and there are ties to the organization here. I mean, like, there, there are going to be names. Bundy, I think ultimately, this, this comes back to the thing that I rambled about a while ago. But, like, when you start turning the page on this thing, and, and when you really start turning the tide and you turn this thing back into what Flyers hockey is supposed to be and you turn it back into a perennial contender, then you do get to start having those fun conversations about big time coaches coming in. Right. And like, well, we have a big time uh, coach we, here. Russ. Uh, no, I Technically, know. Like on paper, I know that, you know, he hasn't won a cup in, in a long, long time, but he's done an unbelievable job this year. Like I can't detract yeah. from him. That's why I'm saying like, I, what I like Ruby here. Yeah, he's one of my best friends, and I know the guys at uh, uh, what he can do as a coach. So from a selfish standpoint, yeah, it'd be good to have lunch with a guy once in a while that I know and really like, and see him around the building with a with a positive attitude. But um, this guy here, Nick DeCristo, yeah, he actually was a great coach here. Like Jake uh, Jake Voracek had an unbelievable run here. We just didn't have any pieces behind him. Uh, he was a he was an excellent coach, and at the end of the year, what got him fired was every player at the end of the year said what a great coach he was. As soon as they do that, the players, Hextall's like, okay, well, we'll get rid of him then. Yeah, that was his death. They would have been better off saying, oh, he's a terrible coach. Pull like a Jedi mind trick on him. <laughs> then he would have kept yep. him. I think he did a great job here, and uh, I don't need anyone to tell me he didn't because he does a good job coaching everywhere he went. His voice just got old in St. Louis. It just, you know, he's there too long. You got too this many comment, young guys to understand it. This comment is one of the fallacies that exists from that very dark time in Flyers history. HC says, Hexy liked Hack, lost his job because he wouldn't fire him. That's not true. Well, That's not Hack, the reason. So the whole story with Hack, like I never heard of Hack in my life until Hextall hired him. And then I looked and said, well, where's he from? He coached his kid in college. Mm-hmm. Like, if you want to know how Dave Hextall got here, he coached Hextall's kid in college. Okay. Well, he was also, I mean, in fairness, Hextall was a very, 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 very successful coach at the collegiate level. But and did he win? I, didn't he win he national championship? Like, he left like, North Dakota the year to come to yeah. the Flyers. Mm-hmm. The year he left, they won the national championship. Well, you know what? He he uh, scouted those players. He brought them all in, Bundy. It was his team. It was his team. Okay, it's like John Scout, Gruden taking over Tony Dungy's team and, and winning coaching a. Coaching uh, are two different things. Recruiting and coaching are two totally different things. How many great college football teams have great players but a bad coach and they don't win? Well, some would argue that that's Penn State, who's playing at twelve o'clock listen, today. I I never way. I didn't never listen. I like Dave Haxtell. He's a nice guy. Yeah. I didn't really think he was an NHL caliber type coach. I mean, so but what happens is you get one job and you'll retread for twenty years. Yeah. Oh, someone knows how to run the bench. Let's bring him in. Doesn't matter. He won two. He didn't win as a head coach. He did not win as a head coach at North Dakota. He may have won as a player, but he did not win as a coach. He did have a good season last year. He did have a good season last year with uh, with Seattle. Because we used to break. We used to we used to bust his chops a little bit. Hack. 
He's like, well, there you go, hack. You left town and they won. And you start laughing. Um, Dave Hackstall's record as a head coach. 289, 143, and 43. 17 and 11 in NCAA D1 tournaments. That's a winning coach, Bundy. That's a winning coach at the collegiate level. What so did he do? They, they won a lot of games in college. Yeah, he okay. did. He's a good coach. But, I, I mean, again, why would you – where is that logic? I mean, where did that – like, well, we're going to – I'm going to start this over. That's just having a guy that you, you're you like, you know what? If you hire a guy like that, let's say I go completely – I get a job as a team, and, I, and I'm like, I'm going to go hire the coach at this college. Mm-hmm. That's because you know that you really – like, what's that coach ever going to say to you? He's never going to fight back. He's just going to yeah. come and take the job, get the money, and listen to whatever the GM says. You know, that's why you need a – that's why some coaches – if you look at some of the GMs in the league with the coaches they get, they're not like big persona, big personality guys because the GMs don't want to deal with that. Yeah. That's the truth. Let's see. He led them to a national championship in 2010, right? 2010-2011. Was he the head coach? Uh, I don't know. Stop asking me for facts right now, right? I wasn't prepared to talk about Dave Well, Hacks then don't go on and look at it. Uh... They were conference regular season champion in 24-2015. All right, Russ. That's All enough. Right. So, He's a nice guy. I really do like Hacker. Great I mean, guy. I, just the whole, He's a great the whole guy. Put into it. Like, where did... he, likes, he likes to go, what, wakeboarding? Wasn't that the thing that Silski wrote the story about? At one point, Dave Hackstall likes to wakeboard. Yeah, anyway, this is, is too this. much. We but. fired Craig Berube. Yes. And he won with probably a little bit more talent than he had with the Flyers in St. Louis at the time. Rallied everybody to go. They did. They got a goalie that no one knew. He told the coach, give him a chance. Mm-hmm. They got a number one defenseman in Petrangelo that had just played unbelievable. Yes. And uh, you know what? It, that's Things came together. Chemistry. Chemistry. It's all about chemistry. Speaking of chemistry, somebody did ask where our third member is, where our, the man who's typically in the middle on the show is. Anthony had surgery. Um, it went well. He told us last night that he thought he'd be able to make it. And then I put out a, a gif of the Muppets Christmas Carol saying that he did not die. And then this morning he told us that he wasn't feeling up to doing the show. Now, I can't say that it's because it was the Muppet Christmas Carol gif. I can't say that it's because he has multiple incisions. But Anthony is okay. He did survive the surgery. And I'm sure he'll be back to busting somebody's balls, probably mine, uh, in, in a very short time. Um, we didn't mention this before, but it's been on the screen the entire time. But for the fine folks who are listening on the podcast feed or have the show pulled up on their phones and they're going about their day with a, an AirPod in, ignoring their family so they can clean. I understand you. I feel you. I, I'm here with you. Um, we're going down to Florida in March. We'd love for as many of you to join us as possible. We're doing the Clearwater Combo Trip with Philly Sports Trips. The link is in the description of this episode uh, on both the podcast feed and on YouTube and on Facebook. Um, and I think we also have an event set up on Facebook as well. You can add it to your calendar, but we're going to go down to Clearwater March 7th through the 10th. It'll be me. It'll be you. It'll be Ant. there might be some other guests joining us along the way, but we're going to spend four days down in sunny Florida. We're going to go to see the the, uh, Phillies and Astros in a spring training game on Friday, the 8th. And then on Saturday, the 9th, the Flyers take on the Tampa Bay lightning torts is going to be recognized um, for his contribution to the 2003 cup winning team. So it's the 20 year anniversary of that. So it'd be nice to have a bunch of flyers fans down there to also celebrate and to cheer for torts, even though 
that's a year that kind of lives in infamy here. We still want to go down and support the guy. Um, and wouldn't it be something if we all went down there together and all of the, the Lightning fans, however many of them are actually in attendance, they look and they see a bunch of Flyers fans cheering for John Tortorella. Wouldn't that be something? So anyway, we're going down. phillysportstrips.com slash trips slash snow the goalie. Torts deserves a congratulations for winning that cup 20 years ago with that team. Be a nice celebration. That was, uh, yeah, it'll be a good week. That'll be a lot of fun down there. Spring training. Be a lot of fun. Be a lot of fun. Yeah. Maybe we'll try to pull something out down there too. We'll have a happy yeah. hour, Russ. We're supposed have to have a, for, we're supposed to have yeah. like a big welcome party happy hour thing at, at a, uh, a restaurant bar nearby the hotel. We'll be right across the street from the Clearwater Beach. So you can go put your tootsies in the sand. I mentioned um, I said Tootsie's in the ocean, I think, the last episode, and then somebody gave me a geography lesson about how Clearwater's on the Gulf side or something, and it's not it's technically not the ocean, it's the Gulf. It's still salt water. Still salt, salt water, water, salt water. We we did did we not answer this question about Atkinson and Brink? Yeah, we, we did. We were talking about them, weren't we at the beginning? Yeah, we did. So I mean they're both they're both smaller size guys. They they're mm-hmm. they they're not gonna come out of the lineup because there's no one to put in. I yes. said Noah Gates has what came out of the lineup, and things kind of stabilized. Brink, mm-hmm. as you said, Russ is is you're right. He's being allowed to just play, yep. uh, which is rare for Torts. And Atkinson looks like a guy right now at times where he's not at the low spectrum, he's not at the high, but you're really not sure where he's at because there's shifts where he's good, and then there's shifts where he just looks like he doesn't belong on the ice. Um, and that's tough. That's what happens sometimes with older guys. You know, they've, he's missed some significant time, and, and you may not see it or he may not feel it in the moment. Uh, everybody gets older. Father time is undefeated, and that just may be part of it. So, you know, I'm sure if Torts could find it. And, and, again, he's not a guy you can go up to him and like, like Torts and say, hey, we need to sit you out tonight to get your rest. It's not going to go over well, and they don't have the numbers to do that. So you, you hope you get the most – out of a guy for for what he is, and and I think that's really the case with with a guy like both Atkinson and Brink right now. They're not doing a ton, but they're not killing you either. They're yeah, not killing you either. So. Yep. Hey, here's a good question on uh, Facebook from Clifford Lake. Do you think Coots is a lifelong flyer? I would say so. I mean, he's got a lot of years left on his contract. I, I think he should be. Yeah, I think he should be. I know. He, I I don't know if he did. If it's if it happened the other day, but I think someone said, "Oh, he passed you in games where he's going to." If he did, congratulations. Those are supposed to be broken. Uh, and he's been here for a long time with injuries, so he'd have been here even longer. But Coots is a great guy. Love him as a player, as a person. He's been a tremendous guy to me over the years when I was broadcasting, and I can't thank those guys enough for you know giving me some time. Uh, he's a great guy. And, uh, you know, what? so is Giroux. Like those guys, Wayne Simmons, like when I was doing that stuff, they were very, very gracious, uh, and helping me. But, um, yeah, Coots is a guy that should be, unless everything just falls apart and he gets, you know, again, you can't keep a guy just to keep him because he's a good guy at a point. Um, you have to still be contributing. And I think the way Coots is playing right now, he can play, play like this on the ice for, for a few more years. So, yep. Yeah. I like this one. Frank says, Russ, your credibility is thin to say the least. I wish I were that thin. I wish I were thin. I used to be thin, Bundy. I used to. Then I had kids. Uh, but by your own admission, you didn't watch the Flyers-Red Wings game, but evidently didn't stop you from tweeting about what a bad game Hart had. Guess what, Frank? You didn't pay attention to that episode. I said that I tweeted that out while not watching because I was taking care of a sick baby. And then guess what I did? I went back and I watched the entire game. So, Frank, while I appreciate it, I also say nay-nay. Fake news, Frank. Fake news, Frank. So sad. 
Um, this was a question. I don't have an answer for this, and I, I assume that you probably don't either. C-Mac asking how far away Cates is from returning to the lineup. Um, I have not heard anything indicating that it's going to be anytime soon. Um, HC, though, with a good question here about something you're going to be involved in. How's getting in shape going for uh how's it going getting in shape for the alumni game if you need help i've got a whistle and i could be your herb brooks again so actually let me get on this game really quick here i got a herb brooks story too if you'd like to hear one after oh i'll finish i'll close the show if anybody ever want to hear i have to tell you guys a story about hearing herb brooks get told off um it's a good one so what was i saying yes i'm january 2nd i start my mini transformation i put on a few lbs over the last couple months i kind of scaled back my running, but I intend to, to get running some stairs and to really start like trimming off some LBs for that game on the 26th. So I will, I will try to keep people in tune of how I'm doing with that. I I'm, I've told people in my life to prepare for pain because I'm going to be so grumpy because that's just gonna, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to like ease into it, Russ. I'm just going to go for it because it's going to hurt that night. But even Scotty Hartnell, I saw him in the elevator. He's like, he's like, Bundy, I heard you're playing. Thank God. He goes, we need an extra defenseman. He goes, he's like, I've been out skating with my little guy. And like at the skate zone, I guess Hartnell's going out with his little boy. And I thought to myself, fuck, I guess I'm not the only guy worried about it. There are other guys. When you get up there too, you got to be careful. Because you know what happens? Your brain thinks you can still do what you can do at 25. And unfortunately, the body doesn't agree with that. So I'm going to hit yoga. I'm going to start doing some stuff. I got to get the hips loosened up, Russ. But I am. I, I went out last year or a couple of years ago and played. I was like, no, never again. Never again. Yep. For Brooks' story, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave you guys with this one because I always thought it was kind of classic. Um, the year, I've, I actually think it might have been that that five overtime year. If, if you could check, Russ, while I'm telling the story, I believe it was. Herb Brooks was coaching that team, if I'm not mistaken the five overtime Pittsburgh game that I played with in the flyers in 2000. I'm looking and um, anyway, I'll tell the story. So Luke, Luke, people probably remember Luke Richardson is an end of a game. Um, and Bob Bugner was on the ice. And I think the penguins had, I think they'd won game two in Pittsburgh, in Philly to start the series. And so Luke Richardson hammers this, fucking slap shot right at Bugner, like shoots it right at him from like 25 feet away on the ice. I saw Boogie go like, Oh shit. Like what the, you know, like what the hell's going on here? So Mm -hmm. anyway, the game ended and there was a big, a big like to do about it after. And, uh, uh, you know, the, the league went up to, to Bob Clark and said, Hey, you know, Luke Richardson took a shot at, uh, you know, it, it, you know, deliberately took a shot at Bob Bugner (laughs) and Clark's answer was, are you guys trying to tell me that Luke Richardson aimed at something and hit it? <laughs> and I'm, I'm like, I'm fucking dying because I heard the media. So the best part was Herb Brooks decides to take a, a media battle to the papers about Luke Richardson. And he called him Robert Ford, the coward that shot Jesse James in the back. He goes, there's that coward, Jesse, uh, Robert Ford shot Jesse James in the back. So, and I remember, like, I'm thinking to myself, holy fuck, like, this guy, like, who the, I don't care who you are. I'm thinking to myself, you know, whatever, Herb. So the next game starts. It's game three that we end up winning in overtime on an Andy Delmore game. And and Herb goes, there he is. There he is. Robert Ford, the coward. 
And Luke Richardson turns to the bench five feet away and he goes, hey, Herb, fuck you and your gold medal. <laughs> Pick it up your fucking ass. He goes, how long would you win that fucking thing, you fucking old billy goat? And I'm sitting there going, holy shit, man. That's like hockey royalty. Just got pulled right off the face. Fuck you, Herb. Just take your gold medal and stick it up your fucking ass. <laughs> and I'm like, I was on the ice going, this is unbelievable. I almost felt like looking at Herb going, I still thought you did a good job getting that gold, Herbie. <laughs> so that's your story. That's your story time today, kids. And uh, yes, those same F words were, were used on the ice and everything, but uh, that's your Herb Brooks story, Russ. Completely different than the vision you had of the very much so. The, gall the gallantry and the amazing speeches that he gave in 1980 to propel a bunch of young 18-year-olds to dominate the greatest team in the world, Roshkosk. Yep. <laughs> the TV production guy goes, my son just asked, why did I hear the F word? And then follows up both kids asking about the F word and ass. Um, yeah. I have a really quick one for you uh, yeah. to, respond, to respond to TV production guy. So the other day... Um, my six-year-old, seven, six-year-old, soon to be seven, walks up to me and he goes, dad, what's an anus? And I said, well, why? And he's like, well, what does anus mean? I said, okay. I said, well, it's a medical term for your butthole. He starts cackling. So does my eight-year-old. And then my three-year-old daughter starts going, anus, anus. And then they start going, huh, your anus, <laughs> like the planet, your, your anus. And then they start going, <laughs> your butthole, <laughs> your butthole Neptune. So that's what we've been dealing with now for five days. I made the mistake <laughs> of telling them. I remember, them I remember those days, Russ. Yeah, yep. they, they go, enjoy I mean, it. Like in quick. fairness, if somebody said your anus to us at the Press Row show, me, you, and Aunt would all laugh anyway. Hey, we're, I all meant just, to we're all just kids. I, I actually saw something the other day uh, because we were talking about Canadian snow tires the other day, and I know we're going to yes. finish up here today. Have you seen any, anything else lunicidal coming out of Canada in the last few days? Because I'll tell you what, they did something that was really well needed. Tread, Tampons tread in the men's room because you know what? You never know when you're going to run out of toilet paper, Russ. <laughs> yep, you can use use that in, instead, I guess. Um what somebody uh, actually how about the guy that actually took the picture of him putting the winter tires on the car? I love that. Oh, dude, that was great. There was somebody who uh they were like ready to send us the receipt and everything to show that they bought their winter tires, right? Like we had the guy tweet at us that uh, or, or commented on the last video that um uh I'm sitting in line to get my winter tires. I'm telling you, big rubber. Big rubber. They're after us now, Bundy. We're we're gonna start getting uh all kinds of hate mail from big rubber. But one thing that we don't get hate from is five-star reviews. And, Bundy, we picked up a few five-star reviews over oh, the last few days. Um, and I uh, – let's see. I think we read one of these the last time. So we'll do this one. Baldo99 checks in on Apple Podcasts with a five-star review. Hockey's best podcast. Been listening since last year. These guys are so much fun and love the team and game. They take no prisoners, tell it like it is, and give expert analysis with passion of diehard fans. Let's go Flyers. Let's go Snow the Goalie. By the way, in the description of this episode on Facebook, on YouTube, and in the podcast feed, you'll find a link to uh, the Sport Podcast Awards where we've been shortlisted as a finalist for Best Hockey Podcast in the Country. And as we know, if you're the best hockey podcast in the country, that also makes you the best hockey podcast in the world. 
So if you give us a chance, give us a second of your time, click on that link in the description, place a vote for Snow the Goalie, the only Flyers podcast. Be like Keith DeBatham, who says, I voted. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I got, I got something I want the fans to check on because I just was watching a little bit of the World Junior Games, the last two. Um, this is something, this is our fan interaction for a couple of days. Mm-hmm. Cutter Gauthier had four assists against Switzerland the other day. Yes. All right. Yes. Far less significant talent than that of Chechia the other day. Mm-hmm. He had zero points. Do people think that he is a left winger or a centerman? Because a good friend of ours, I won't say who it is, but he's a great friend of the show. And I agree that he's a left winger. He's not a center iceman. And I want fans to have a look at that for us to see if there's any kind of uh, validation to that. I I don't. I think he's a left winger. I just I I think he's a scoring winger. Yep. Uh, So people keep an eye on that through the rest of the tournament. Canada loses to Sweden yesterday two nothing. Uh, It's kind of interesting, you know, like in the way the tournament's going. But I I will say the World Juniors and we were talking about the other day, and I'll finish with this comment, Russ, as we hang up the show here. But the World Juniors is odd because. There's still teams in it that can lose by nine or ten goals, mm-hmm. which I find interesting. You know, so I wonder if there's a way to trim the fat and to make the tournament less where you're making. I know they want to do like a four-team tournament with the NHL players. I just hate to see those kind of beatings because it really does depreciate the value of the World Junior Tournament. Yeah, I agree. So. Um, I don't know if you saw this. This is the last thing. This goes off the Gautier point. So Gauthier has four four assists in the first period the other day. Same day that Mishkov returns to um, Sochi and scores a goal after being out for a few weeks with pneumonia, missing the KHL All-Star game. And I saw somebody who had a handle. I don't remember what it was. I'm not actively choosing to omit it. There was somebody who had like scouting or like said that they worked for or owned a scouting agency or something. And the person was complaining because of a shot that Gautier took on a power play. And it was a screenshot from behind the goal. And it was instead of him doing a, a shoot to pass, he took a shot from this angle, right? Like, and, and openly complained about it. And then it started this thing in the comments where a lot of people were like, well, he had four assists in the first period. So like, I think you can afford for him to take a shot that maybe he shouldn't have on the power play considering that he found so much success elsewhere. And then it kind of like started this whole thing. Like you had a bunch of Flyers fans like saying the guy's an idiot. And then you had like a bunch of people who were like defending this guy. It's like, well, just because he had four assists doesn't mean that he he's, you know, allowed to make stupid choices, uh, you know, like where he shoots from. Where do you land when there's a guy who goes out and, and puts up four points in a period like OTA did, like was setting up his teammates in, in great positions to score. And then like maybe takes a shot from an angle that he shouldn't. Like, if you're his coach, are you really going to hold him to some standard about, like, that was still a a boneheaded shot, we're just going to ignore the success that you found elsewhere, or, like, is it a coaching point? Like, where do you land? Uh, um, I'm okay sometimes with it. Guys are going to miss the net sometimes as much as I hate it, but I am okay with a guy like that. He's got a very, very good shot. Mm -hmm. I'm okay for... I'm okay for, for that, you know, in terms of missing it sometimes. You're trying to see if you see some traffic or you see something in a spot. But he'll learn more as he gets here, too. Um, it'd be interesting. I, I He does have a great – he does have a really good release, you know, again. Yeah. So I, I don't think we give him maybe as much credit as we do when we see Mitchkov. But one of the things I wanted to see Gauthier do this year, though, was really dominate a couple of good teams in this tournament. Like yeah. really, really good teams. And – um 
last year having I don't want to say a bad turn. He didn't have a bad tournament, but he didn't have one where you you know you could say you're going in the NHL next year to be a top line guy if you didn't dominate the world juniors. So again, I'd like to really see him take a huge bite of an apple against one of these really, really good teams. Um but certainly a guy with a lot of skill and a guy who can get his shot off quickly and adds a little bit of size. I don't know how physical he is per se all the time. Someone m- mentioned a John LeClaire. John LeClaire wasn't physical like in terms of, you know, but he you couldn't move him in front of the net of the corners. So he could hold on to the puck. That's what I think of when I think of physical. Um, and certainly LeClaire f- fits that bill. I'd, if this kid turns out to be two-thirds of that, that would be a huge win. Yeah, agree, 100%. Anthony Louis here with the final comment. If Gauthier ends up being the next John LeClaire instead of next Leon Dreisaitl, no one will complain. That's exactly That's true. right. That's, That's a good true. way to end. I know that I've said a few times, you know, Flyers closing out the year, closing out the year. They play tomorrow. They technically play on New Year's Eve. They play 8 o'clock against Calgary. Um, I don't know if you have a prediction. Actually, no, don't give your prediction. We'll do the prediction. We'll put them out on Twitter tomorrow. Right before the game starts, I will note that I sent my prediction to you and Ant ahead of time two games ago, and then yesterday Ant got the jump on me and sent over the prediction. I'm oh, by the way, honor, how, how, those, how, this, are the scores, how are the scores last two games going? I forgot to take I, – I don't have the updated standings in front of me. 2-0 and right here. You went 2-0? and Yeah. Good on you. Picked Flyers against Vancouver and Seattle last night, but just because Seattle had been rolling, the Flyers would be a little bit road tired. I took um, Seattle last night, didn't I? I think that's I probably because I picked first and you just copied me. Why are you like this? Why? 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 Stop. <laughs> you. Where's our baby uh, New Year? Are you going to be back for our post? Uh, oh, that was the comment that I wanted to to roll out of here with. It was about um, intern Andrew, wherever he is right now. Uh, shoot. I don't know if I'm going to find it here in time. Um, but there was a question about intern Andrew, if he was going to dress up as father time uh, for New Year's. And I think that instead of him dressing up as Father New Year's, I think he needs to dress up like the New Year's baby. And we'll add that to the calendar. That would be actually perfect. We have Andrew dress up like baby New Year. Ross, get him paid there too, all right? Yeah, we'll make sure that we get him. We'll get him reimbursed for the elf costume. So anyway, it's time for us to roll out. Remember, go to phillysportstrips.com slash strips slash snow the goalie. Sign up, join us in March in sunny Florida, Philly spring training, Flyers versus Lightning, back-to-back days, big meet and greet, big party. It'll be a lot of fun. And uh, give us a vote for Best Hockey Podcast. That's down in the description of the episode. So for Bundy, you can find on Twitter at Cterian6. I'm Russ at Joy on Broad. For Anthony, wherever he is, at Ant San Philly. Everybody have a very safe, and we will once again highlight safe, New Year's Eve, Enjoy your New Year's Day. Get a little bit of hockey here on New Year's Eve to lead you up to the ball dropping. And uh, we're looking forward to a very exciting 2024. And we said this the other day, but a big thank you to everybody who listens and watches this show. We do truly appreciate each and every one of you. We couldn't do it without you. So time to roll out. Everybody have a very happy New Year, and we will talk to you in 2024. Bye-bye.